Good evening, everybody. Nice to see you. Warm welcome to you. Tonight we continue our sojourn in the book of Jonah. So turn with me as we read a few verses from Jonah chapter 1. And consider tonight what I have called Jonah's slumber. Jonah's slumber. Jonah chapter 1. And for the fourth time we read these verses together. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Almighty God, our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for these scriptures. Words written centuries ago, millennia even, and yet the relevance today is quite extraordinary. Such is the wonder of the Word of God. This word that is old, ancient even, and yet ever new. We pray that the Holy Spirit that inspired the writing might take these words tonight and speak afresh. Maybe even for the first time, but speak into our hearts and lives words that might transform. We pray for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Remember the hymn writer who once wrote, Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Clearly he was giving testimony as he wrote. (laughs) How we long for such a manifestation tonight. Father, might you be pleased to send, as it were, heaven down by your Holy Spirit that glory might fill our hearts and lives tonight, that we everyone might leave later knowing truly we have been in the place in the house of God. We have met with our Creator. We acknowledge, Father, we are a mixed bag of people and there are many, many needs represented here. Whilst our needs are many and great, and varied, 
We thank you that you are a God who is able to meet our needs. We pray to that end. Meet our needs, we pray, body, soul, and mind. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to begin by sharing something with those here tonight who are in Christ. Those who are children of God. And then I'll move on to share with those perhaps who are unsure or perhaps not a Christian here. Keith Green, a singer-songwriter of the 70s, 80s, wrote his song, Asleep in the Light, and included this refrain. The world is sleeping in the dark, but the church just can't fight because it's asleep in the light. In our last study, we focused on two of the saddest words in the entire book of Jonah. Those words were found at the beginning of verse 3. But Jonah, but Jonah, Jonah really ought to have been thankful that the word of the Lord had come to him, calling him to preach against the great city of Nineveh. But we read there very disturbingly, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed towards Tarshish. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it is my conviction that from that very moment there was a sense in which Jonah was asleep in the light. Yes, in his own words, in verse 9, he was a Hebrew and a worshipper of the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Nevertheless, as soon as he turned his back on the revealed will of Jehovah, the God of his fathers, there was a sense in which he had fallen into a deep spiritual slumber. I want us to very briefly consider the consequences of such a state of spiritual slumber. Just two I have, though I'm sure there are many more. But two are enough for us to get our head around tonight. The consequences of such a spiritual slumber. Well, the consequences for Jonah and, of course, perhaps for you and for me. Firstly, notice there is a loss of God's special presence. A loss of God's special presence. When we run from God, when we choose to ignore His call upon our lives and go our own way, we, brethren, lose something. We lose what I'm going to call that special presence of the Lord. With God's people Israel, that presence was referred to as the Shekinah glory. Manifest, of course, as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. We can read about it in Exodus chapter 13 verse 21. This special presence of the Lord is described in the book of Acts 
concerning the Christian church. And it was said that great grace was upon them all. That's what we're talking about. That's what we lose. Great grace. We're told in Acts 4 verse 33 that with great power the apostles continued to testify concerning the resurrection from the dead. With much grace God was upon them all. John called it unction, didn't he? The anointing. He says in 1 John 2 verse 20, but you, referring of course to the first century Christians, you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. Brethren, that's what we are referring to here. That is what is lost when in a state of disobedience we turn away from God. And we find ourselves, as it were, in a state of spiritual slumber. We lose something of God's special presence. I believe in so many ways this is what the church has lost. Unction. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. I have heard you, dear Welsh folk, refer to it as the Hoyle. Oh, I've heard you say it. He, she had the Hoyle. I think that's a pretty fair colloquialism for it. The special presence of God. That is not to suggest, my friends, that God is not with us. For He is. For he has promised us, in spite of our indifference, I will never leave you <laughs> or forsake you. And he is a God, of course, who is true to his word. No, brethren, what is lost is that special presence. It is that great power that the apostles enjoyed. It was that much grace that was upon them all. It was that extraordinary anointing of God by the Holy Spirit, R.T. Kendall calls it that presence that makes unsaved people miserable. <laughs> Does it not concern you, my friends, that we unregenerate can come through our doors and sit through our services and hear our sermons and go back into the world untouched and unmoved. Well, it concerns me. That is not because God is not here, for God is true to His Word. <laughs> he will never leave us for, nor forsake us. It is perhaps because we have lost the unction, a special presence. And so it is. We may have, like Jonah, successfully ran, fled from the presence of Jehovah God, but we have lost the special presence. At the beginning of the 20th century in America, there was a man of the name Phineas Brisey. He was the founder of an extraordinary Christian movement known as the Church of the Nazarene. That church, for a time, was the fastest growing movement in all of the United States, both Christian and secular. 
And the reason was that there was an anointing there. There was an unction. And wherever the church was, unsaved people, even before they got inside the very doors of the Christian church, came under the conviction of their sin and sought a savior for salvation. The Hoyle, the special presence of God. God's presence in such a way, brethren, that people cannot even pass a church building without falling under some level of conviction. Oh, wow. We can only dream of that, can we? Phineas Brise said in his final days, giving the church a special message, he said with these words, keep the glory down, brethren. Keep the glory down. What he meant was this. He meant by the glory, that special presence that we're talking about this evening. You see, Phineas Brise understood that his particular movement, the Church of the Nazarene, had no genius within itself. Its success was entirely dependent upon God's special presence. And so it is today. We must come to understand that we don't have this unction. The church, whether we like it or not, is asleep in the light. I wonder, are we kidding ourselves that everything is okay? Are we playing games with God and with the Christian message. Well you might say to me. Well pastor. Uh, we at least are keeping the faith here. At Coipen Mind Community Church. We are the orthodox ones. Are we not? Look at what's happened to other churches around. By comparison. Look at us. We're still holding the faith. Brethren. Will we be so foolish. As to offer that defense. I trust not. The fact is. The world laughs at us. And we should hang our heads in shame. So it was. Jonah lost the special presence. And we ourselves are like Jonah. And while the wind was rocking the ship, Jonah was fast asleep. The sailors were afraid. These were pagan sailors. And in their fear, they called out to their God, small g. But Jonah, the man of Jehovah God... He was asleep. Now here's an interesting point. Within the realm of common grace, I'll call it, we find the sailors, pagan sailors, calling upon God, don't we? It should have been Jonah, the man of God, calling upon Jehovah God. But Jonah was asleep. Here we have things turned around. Where there was more fear of God, it seems, in the realm of common grace, in the realm of the pagan world, than there was within the realm of saving grace. How tragic is that? How often does the world outside call upon God? And we may not, not even know about it. It was General MacArthur who used to say that there are no atheists in foxholes. Many times those in the world can get alarmed when the storms of life buffet and the church is asleep. It's very easy, is it not, for us to to find ourselves in a position where we subjectively defend where we are. It's not our fault. 
not our problem. The world is asking questions. While terrorists are knocking on our doors, the Christian church has no answers. What about the youth rebellion today, friends? Our youth people binge drink. Our young people are on drugs. So-called legal highs are rife. Our young people openly embrace sexual immorality and all kinds of evil and wickedness. And the church is asleep. We just sit back and say, well, isn't it awful that young people are doing these things these days? And we fail to realize that for many, many years, young people have been asking questions of the church and the church hasn't been given the answers that they need. It concerns me. A time is coming and perhaps may already have come when our young people will simply stop asking questions of the church. How we need to wake up from our slumber. For the church here in the free west has lost God's special presence. And secondly, quickly, we lose a sense of spiritual reality when we sleep. Do you know something? It is a characteristic of sleep that whilst asleep, you dream of things you would never do whilst you were awake. Now I know that this has a Freudian implication as we are, when we're asleep, in an unguarded state. And so we lose inhibitions in sleep and thus we dream of stuff and later wake up thinking, I had the craziest dream and I'll never do that. But you see, the church is asleep today and the church is doing things today that it would not do if it were awake. Oh yeah. It's a sobering thought, isn't it? But the church is doing things today that it would never have dreamt of doing The church is embracing hypotheses and opinion today that it would never have dreamt of embracing if it were awake. But it's asleep in the light. And as it dreams. No one likes an alarm in the morning, does do we really? We want to sleep on, it's the comfortable thing to do. And no one likes the alarm of a prophet. And that's why it was said of Israel that Israel killed its prophets. Now, of course, Israel would never have, never even thought about killing the prophets whilst it was alive to Yahweh, its God, whilst it was awake. But when it slept, it killed the prophets. My friends, the church is asleep in the light. And consequently is caught up in all manner of compromise. Dare I say open wickedness and downright sinfulness that it would never have dreamt of if it were awake. But we're asleep, you see. And we justify our position, don't we? Ah, well, it's contextualization. We we have to contextualize. 
Ah, it's, it's political correctness. We, we have to be politically correct. And with all manner of explanation, excuse, we justify our position. Brethren, we wouldn't have been justifying our position so in 1904 5 here in Wales, would we? Because the church was vibrantly awake. But ah, the church is asleep in the light. And we dream dreams. And we do things we would never, ever have anticipated doing whilst we were awake. I suppose one of the most embarrassing things that can ever happen to a backslidden Christian is to have someone come up to them and say, will you pray for me? (laughs) And the church today is in this kind of predicament. The world is in the midst of the storms of life. The world, my friends, is bruised and battered. The world, my friends, is unsure and uncertain. And in desperation, the world is looking to the church and crying, will you help us? But the church to sleep. Worse than that, in its slumber, it's doing stuff that dishonors the God it professes and taints its witness and its testimony. The godless sailors woke Jonah up. I wonder, will the world wake us up? God knows, brethren, something has to wake the church up. The storm is raging and the church is asleep. Having said all of this, as with last week, I want to focus here upon a happy note. Notice, in spite of Jonah's slumber, God came. How did he come? How did God come to Jonah? In a storm. Ooh, golly gosh. Would God do such a thing? Oh, yes. Because you see, in our slumber, we don't wake too much, do we? Godly, God comes along and, and gently tickles our ear, then, then it doesn't get our attention. If, if God comes along and, and tries to, to make us feel happy and joyful, well, we're asleep. We're comfortable enough. Thank you, Jehovah God. Leave me in peace. No, no. God came to Jonah. Hallelujah. Because he could have left him alone. He deserved to be left alone. He deserved to die in that storm. Did he not? But God is a gracious God. God is a loving God. God is a God of grace and of mercy. And He extended that grace and mercy to Jonah. And He came to him in a storm. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? We often don't welcome what's happening around us, do we? The storms of life. We feel tossed this way and that. We feel bruised and battered by the affairs of this world that encroach upon our souls and rob us of our joy and steal us of our peace. We won't welcome it. But how strange it is. It takes such storms to get hold of us by a scruff of the neck and for God to say, my child, wake up! 
Isn't God good? God's getting hold of his church. He's trying to. Here in the free west. And he's got the church by the scruff of the neck. And he's saying, wake up for goodness sake. My conviction is, brethren, whilst we wax lyrical about how difficult it is to be a Christian these days, I think it's going to get much, much worse. We wonder what it will take to revive the church. Maybe a storm. A storm. We wouldn't welcome it, would we, really? Why would you? But the church is asleep. And the world is in need. And the church has a message of reconciliation. It's the most wonderful message that this world can ever hear. But we're not in that place to communicate it. And perhaps God needs to send a storm to get us by the scruff of the neck. And wake us up. I sense tonight there are those here who are running. Like Jonah did. Running from God. I understand why. I really do. You see, I've been there. (laughs) I too have run from the presence of God. I had no, no excuse. But as a Christian, as a professing Christian, I knew the blessing. I knew what it was to, to be in the blessing. I knew what it was to be disobedient to the Spirit. But I understand that sometimes God puts His hand upon us and it's just perhaps too much for us to bear. The cost seems too great for us to accept. And you run. You avoid Him. Like Jonah. Ah, God's got none of it for you, but you're going in the opposite direction. You're on the way to Tarshish. Well, bless God tonight, He's pursuing you. Oh yes, my brother, my sister in Christ, you might run, but He's pursuing you. Hallelujah. Make it easy on yourself. Surrender to Him sooner rather than later. Please, surrender to Him tonight. Oh God, I don't want to run from you any longer. I want to surrender. I want to know your blessing. I want to wake up from my slumber. I want to be vibrantly alive in Christ. And maybe you're not a Christian here tonight or you're not sure. And you're running. You're running from anything and everything that offers you any kind of hope. You see, you have it in your, in your mind that you know what's right for you. You've known what's right for you for years. And you're still in this terrible mess. Isn't it about time you listen to someone greater than yourself? Isn't it about time some, you listen to someone who, is, who loves you with an everlasting love? And knows what you want? Knows what's best for you? After all, God created you. <laughs> he fashioned you together in His mother's womb. If anyone knows what's best. For his child, God does. Run no longer. Run no longer. Though it will take great faith 
Though you will need to count the cost, submit and surrender to a loving Heavenly Father who, because of that great love, sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, who became on that Roman gallows at Calvary's tree a a sin offering, a, a sacrifice for you and for me, bearing our shame, our sin, our wrongdoing, our misgivings, our sufferings in His body on the tree so that by simple faith in Him we might find life that is full and abundant. Oh, my friend, run from God no longer. Why put yourself through it? Trust in your own perceptions no longer. They've brought you to the point of desperation. Why would it be any different in the future? Trust in Jesus. Jesus Christ. He's made the difference for countless millions of people throughout the centuries. He's made the difference to me. Doug Atherton, 13 years of age in my hometown of Liverpool. 13 years of age. And yet I knew things weren't right. Which was odd because I was brought up in a Christian home. I thought that therefore I was okay. My parents were Christians. I went to Sunday school from time to time. And uh, I knew a little bit of the Bible also from Sunday school days. I thought I was okay. And yet God spoke to me and said, Doug, things aren't right. Sin in your life. You're separated from me. And as a 13-year-old lad, in a simple, childlike way, I came to Jesus, acknowledged my need, and I put my trust in Him. My, in, my trust in Him. I couldn't see Him with the naked eye, but I put my trust in Him. That's faith, you see. That's faith, you see. And you know something? God honors faith. You put your trust in the things you see with the naked eye. Well, God doesn't honor that. That will just get you into trouble. But by faith... You put your trust in the one you cannot see, but by His Holy Spirit is speaking into your innermost heart now. And you know He's speaking. The heart rate starts to go a little faster. Maybe the palms of the hands begin to sweat somewhat. Maybe there's a bit of a confusion, a lightheadedness, and you're a little bit unsure of yourself. Maybe for the first time in your life, God has come. Hallelujah. And by His Spirit, He's speaking into your situation, and He's saying, my child, run no longer. Run no longer. Come to me. My Christian friend, the Father is saying, sleep no longer. It is time to wake from your slumber. Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead that Christ might live in you, that you might live in a sense of spiritual reality. Too many Christians, professing Christians, are living in a state of self-obsession and self-delusion. They're deluded. They think they're, they're spiritual people. Really? No. Deluded. You see, when you're asleep, you dream. Dreams. It's pure delusion. Pure delusion. Last week I, 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 I slept that I was playing rugby for, for England against the All Blacks at Twickenham. Boy, I had a good game. I had the best game of my life. I ran in two tries. 
One in the first half, one in the second half. And I got the Man of the Match award. It was a tremendous achievement. And brethren, then I woke up. Deluded, you see. Deluded. Strangely enough, all my best games of rugby were whilst I was horizontal. And they're my only games of rugby these days. But there are many Christians like that, brethren. They are in a spiritual state of delusion. Oh, I'm sure. I know it's difficult to accept, but that's the reality of the matter. And when you're asleep, of course, you don't see it. May God get us, get hold of us. Just perhaps, just perhaps we're not as spiritual as we'd like to think we are. We're deluded. When God wakes us up, there's a sense of spiritual reality. And that special presence of God, that spiritual unction that comes from above, the Holy Spirit coming down in power upon His Christian, upon His church, that might be ours again, brethren. And oh yes, if that is ours. Here in Koyper Mind Community Church, if that is ours by God's grace through faith, the very people who walk past this place will come under this under conviction of sin. Not by might nor power of man, not by the eloquency of this preacher's speech, or the fluency of my tongue, or the soundness of my argument, but by his Holy Spirit. They will come under tremendous conviction. They'll probably start walking and avoiding this place. Lest they be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's called revival. And our church needs revival. 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 The church is asleep in the light. And my my friend, if you're here tonight and you know deep down in your heart and life things are simply not right with you, then I beseech thee in the name of Jesus Christ with great love and compassion, do not go back to the way it was. Do not consider your 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 attitudes, your opinions to, to be finally work things through because they will not. Turn to Jesus. Run from Him no longer. Run from Him no longer. And you'll find in Him a friend who sticks closer than any brother. You'll find in Him a Savior who will cleanse you from all sin and purge you from all evil. You will find in Jesus a Redeemer who will bring you back unto the Father, the One who created you. Hallelujah. What a salvation this is. Father, we thank You for Your precious Word. How special it is to us. Speaks to every one of us, pastor and congregation alike. We are here under the sound of the Word of God. We have to acknowledge tonight that Yahweh, the God of our fathers, has come to us and His Word has come by the Spirit. Oh, Father, have mercy. Make us not like Jonah who turned 180 and ran. Father, draw us close to you that we might respond to the voice of God. A gentle hush that comes from above. A gentle whisper that even now speaks into the inner person. Oh, Father, might we respond to you tonight? 
My friend in the silence. Just lift up your heart to Jesus. Just say, yes, Lord. I want you. I need you. Yes, Lord. I'm coming back to you. Or perhaps for the first time, I'm turning to Jesus. Come to him tonight. He is never a disappointment. He'll meet your every need. He'll give you strength for today. And hope for tomorrow. Come to Him. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, see me at thy feet with my sacrifice complete. I am bringing all to thee. Thine alone I'll be. Have thy way, Lord. Have thy way. This with all my heart I say. I will serve thee come what may, dear Lord, have thy way. In the name of Jesus Christ we ask, Amen.